Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Free Guy earns a bonus round. Have gamers abandoned an upcoming title? And could Splitgate be more Halo than Halo? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, PopCultureCosmos.com, and all the great things that we do out there for with the Lakers Fast Break, the returning Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and so much more. It is sincerely appreciated. Plus, a big shout-out to our live tabletop RPG game going on right now on Facebook. So you go ahead and check it out. And a big shout-out to the entire crew. Hopefully, we can go ahead and hear more from them in the coming weeks. In fact, I've got a special episode I'm going to dedicate to a DM roundtable. And you're going to hear that on an upcoming episode of The Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend, he is our own Mario of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His wonderful stuff that he does with Humanica Media. And of course, his podcast, Topic Ocalypse, and the Super BS Games cast. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention a book you can buy right now with which has his name on it. And that is Congratulations, You Suck, available right now at Amazon and Barnes Noble. It is my good friend. It is josh peterson what's up man hey is that a compliment the mario of pop culture cosmos i feel like i would say it would it's a me it's a mario (laughs) he's just always chasing after things though you know like he's always losing things that are important to him well you're always giving me something catchy and i had to do this one on the fly because you got the mario shirt on so yeah i understand i understand it's been like we've had a crazy storm out here in texas this uh this here morning just walking outside i was drenched you know and it's hot outside it was interesting interesting weather going on you know interesting weather indeed uh i know all over the place here in vegas it's hot hot and still hot so we're hoping to get cooled off here sometime in the near future at least that's what we hope but we'll see what happens. I hope your area of the woods out there, wherever you're listening around the world, is a little bit better off and a little bit cooler and a little bit nicer where you're at. 
Hope you're spending a good time with the family while you're listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But we got a great episode today. But before we go ahead and talk about Free Guy, Abandon, Splitgate, and even more, I want to hear your thoughts. You said you had some collectible talk to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just, uh, I'm, I'm noticing, you know, having gone to Comic-Con last weekend and seeing what the what the collectible scene looks like these days. Like I'm noticing that like there are a few properties like from the nineties that have kind of like stood the test of time, you know, like mighty Morphin power Rangers is one of them for sure. Gee, how did I know you were going to say that? Mm, has your Instagram been flooded with it? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been, I've been collecting some stuff here and there and then, you know, you go, we walked up to this booth when we got there and there's just somebody who is, uh, Selling just a bunch of old toys, you know, like there's stuff from Silver Surfer, there are old Jurassic Park toys, old X-Men toys, toys from X-Men the movie, stuff from Batman, like the 90s cartoon Batman. So, I mean, there's there's obviously a high demand for certain properties. You know, it's just, it's it's a weird thing to know because it all goes up and down so fast, you know, like what's going to be popular, what's not. You know, you look at the, the anime statues, right? Like people eat that uh people love the dragon ball statues and the the different like anime character statues what do you see for the future of, of something like S- star wars toys though like cuz uh, you know i have a bunch of the stuff from the hasbro days you know back in the what was it like late 90s early early 2000s and it doesn't have much value to it a lot of that stuff cuz a lot of people collected that thinking that like oh man i'm going to make a killing off this one day but that has not held value very well. Neither have neither have Beanie Babies for that matter. So do you, do you do you see like do you see any value being? At, I mean, I know Rob and Jay probably be better to at you know have a talk about this, but like, do you think that we will see some of the uh, stuff of the like lesser value spike in coming days? Well, first off, you mentioned Jay and Rob, but Jay Barlett and and award winning director Rob McCallum. Hopefully everyone out there will give their show a shot. And that is the Jay and Rob toy show. Please go ahead and check it out when you get a chance, but I hope some of these properties, but the problem thing is it's similar to what I have. I have some basketball cards, a lot of basketball cards and actually sports cards from Mm -hmm. right around the early nineties and the late eighties when a big boom happened in the industry. And that's a problem. It was a big boom happening in the industry like it is for collectibles. So you have a lot stuff out there from that time i think when it comes to star wars people look at the stuff that came out right as the movie was coming out you know obviously the infamous cardboard display that was a pre-order telling you that you know if you bought this piece of cardboard that you were actually going to go ahead mm-hmm. and get the product on the way sent to you some months later because you know they were so behind at uh, kenner was i believe that was so far behind in, in distribution and production at that point so they had to go ahead and just put out these cardboards thing that, you know, that right there, you would buy at the store, just that, just even that was as valuable. But then the toys, obviously in those from those late seventies, early eighties, those became really valuable. And then it just, the problem is after the trilogy ended, you got into all the other stuff with star Wars, it became an industry in and of itself. So the stuff that you have from the nineties at that point in time was already what, 10 years already into the IP. So yeah. you've got a lot of stuff that's that's probably not going to be valuable. With Again, with me and the collectibles and the, and the sports cards I have around that time, I mean, the basketball cards and baseball cards, the sporting card industry 
took off huge in the late 80s and early 90s. So I have a lot of stuff that was around that time that was produced, mass produced at such a high level. I, I'm not going to be able to reap any real type of rewards off of it because A, there was not enough rookie cards to go around that were really valuable for rookie players maybe around that time or or B, it's just the fact that there was so much mass production on the stuff that it, there's a lot that's still out there because people started to understand the value of collectibles. I recently spoke to Ben Arnault for an upcoming show, and he discussed the fact that he had uh, you know, the full Grayskull, the full Castle Grayskull set as a kid, and he kept it immaculate, and everything's working, and everything was functioning. And you know, he was heartbroken. And again, you're going to hear his disdain and hear his angst and hear his sadness in his voice when you hear this interview in the not too distant future. It's not coming up today because it's an actually almost an hour long conversation. But, you know, it's just so tremendous that he he kept it from so nice for so long. And then I think uh, it got while he was away, it got given to someone else. Just because you know that individual thought it was worthless, and unfortunately, right now it's something that could be valued into the hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. So, yeah, he's he's not happy about that. But yeah, you could. It depends. It just depends on what time frame it came from. It seems like the '70s and the '80s. If you have collectibles from there, they're much more valuable than the '90s and 2000s. If you're collecting from the '90s and 2000s, you would probably have to go go more into the video game scene and if that's the case you would have to look for ones that are more sealed or in much better condition than just ones that are floating around yeah it's just you know and i've I've noticed that it's just weird to know because like yeah the video games like you take something like some of the early castlevania titles or even some of the early final fantasy titles and like the mario titles the mario yeah especially like mario 64 you know we have I don't, or, I don't. I don't. Or from the NES title, the Super Mario NES, I believe that that just went over two million dollars on sale as a seal because it's one of the the few and rare sealed copies that's ever that's still out there. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, it's you know I don't know what kind of manipulation happens in that kind of market though, but you know with these these toys you have. All these people, do you remember like Beanie Babies came out and everyone was like, yeah. these are going to be worth so much. And they were worth a lot in the moment because everybody wanted them in that moment. But you go forward 10, 15 years and all these ones that were worth like 40, 50, 60 dollars are, you know, going for five, four or five dollars on eBay. Like it's just so hard. And it's weird because like Power Ranger toys, you know, like the second generation of flip heads that introduced the White Ranger and then you had the Adam Black Ranger and uh, Aisha Yellow Ranger. So they they were I, I mean, you could buy them from Target for like five, six dollars. And there was years when they were just worth nothing. And then all of a sudden there's like this Power Ranger renaissance and all the flip heads from that set you cannot get for less than two hundred dollars. So it's just it's weird how the market moves up and down to you know relying on the fads and this you know I was talking to my wife about this you know this past week about how things move up and down like that you never know what's going to be worth what someday. Well, it's become a new investment market. It's become it, in its own way exactly and it, it, a whole market into itself. Well, and that's what I was going to tell you next. I forget what the the company's called, but there's this company now where you can invest in assets. So like you can invest. There's a copy of mario on this website and you can invest in you can own a piece of it so you can enter the 
the market at like $25 a share. And then like you get to decide like how much to sell this game for. And then you get a cut of that depending on how much money you put in. So it's kind of a weird, it's like cryptocurrency or stock markets. You know, you buy a, a chunk of it. I wish I could remember what this website was, but it, it popped up on my feed the other day. But, but it, it sounds like you're just buying it like you would a stock and you're you're yeah. absolutely trying to go ahead and assume that it's going to go rise up in value. Yeah, you're buying a share of it. Yeah. So it's like you can buy shares of like Star Wars toys or Nintendo games or whatever. It's it like might buying be. a share of a company. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, it's I mean, and maybe people will make money like that. But again, like with how I would say that the collectible market though it's booming right now, like you go into Walmart or Target and the toys are all gone, it's still a very volatile market because you never know what's going to be worth what. Because you have all these people, look at the new generation of He-Man toys, right? Like the old, the older He-Man toys, you could probably get a little bit of money for, but like these new ones come out and every, every toy, every action figure is priced at around 15 to $30 these days. I don't know if you've noticed that, but you buy them and they immediately become worth less than what you paid for them. Yeah, well, it's the old deal like a car. I mean, back in the day, you buy a car, immediately once you drive off a lot, it goes half off in value. Or, you know, the old issue with buying video games at GameStop, what do they tell you? As soon as you walk out the door with it and open it up, it goes 50% off in mm -hmm. value right there and then. So it's funny how that is, although right now the, the used car market is actually at the biggest point it's ever been because of a, a lack of production for new cars but yeah right now when it concerns video games it all depends i mean who knows maybe even my sealed copy of mass effect andromeda which i bought for five dollars a long time ago man may go up in value you never know you yeah, never yeah, know you never know i mean you know i guess like the point being it's just it's such a weird contrast between what is and what was like you could go Back when I was a kid, you could go and buy, you know, these toys that came out when I was a kid. They're, they charged five, six, seven dollars for them, and now they're worth a, a, a butt ton of money. But toys that, like, you buy today, you go out and you pay a whole lot of money for, and then they immediately drop in value. So it's the, the, the collector's market is such a weird thing right now, but it's like also, like, I love it. You know, I don't know. I, it's, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, it, it's a gamble, but like I, I don't know. I really love like the this whole like idea where people are cashing in, not cashing in, but like people want these things now that like meant a lot to kids growing up. You know. Well, the thing is with it, you got to put in two factors when you're looking at something. If you are out there for investment purposes for these assets and these collectibles, a what is the rarity of that item? How much was of it produced? I mean, if you got something that was mass produced, it's not going to be able to retain a value unless there's something within the product itself that makes it different from all the other things that were similarly produced. Like, for instance, it was the first set of a video game that has a different type of cover or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So maybe something like that, that usually turns out to be somewhat more valuable as it goes down the road or... When it comes to a video game, when it comes to other collectibles, actually, you look at also as well what the condition of it is. Is it sealed? Is it something that's been played with? Is it a toy that's been played with? Is it out? Is it packaged? I mean, packaged products are so much more valuable now than even you know freestanding products. I mean, that's always been a given. I mean, once you open something up out of the box, 
I mean, that's a, does a lot to decrease its value yeah. unless it's an absolutely rare, rare item. Right. But yeah, you got to figure that, like you talked about, I think it was a week or two ago, you said, hey, I'm going to think about when I buy things now, if I think it might become valuable in the future, I might buy two of them, one for me to use and play and one for me to use and collect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you almost like, and again, that's also a gamble, right? Because you don't know, especially with like video games is most the it's it's hands down like any RPG is going to hold value over the years. But like you walk out, say, with like a copy of Halo or Call of Duty or even, you know, I guess in some case, like like a Donkey Kong or a, uh, a Zelda. And they just like they produce so many of them now that like there's not really any the odds are low that they're going to become collectibles. You know, like you look at Halo 4 is a good example. Like that was a $60, $60 price game. Within a year, I think it, was, it went down to 40 and then down to like 20 Now you can buy it for like 5 bucks at a used game store. Then you have something like the, the Yeez franchise where they charge 60 bucks per game, but the value goes up like almost immediately because it's such like a, a collectible sought after RPG series. So it's just, it's weird, you know, it's weird and you never know, but there are some, there are some things that are almost certain when it comes to collecting games and some things that aren't. Absolutely. So we want to hear your thoughts out there. What's your way you approach collectibles i mean do you just buy because you want to have fun and you enjoy them for what they are for for collecting for putting on the shelf for showcasing for going out there and maybe introducing it to a younger audience if you have kids or or do you actually when you go out into the stores into the retail outlets into the comic cons and all over to buy collectibles do you have that in the back of your mind as far as this could possibly be something that I need to invest in and look at it from that point? I mean, we want to hear your thoughts on both sides of the equation on this because the way we look at collectibles is so much different than we have in previous decades and how we'll look at it going forward. But please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. So let me get this straight. We're going to play a like a video game together? Or... Well, not exactly. Okay, fine. W where's the controller? It's, it's, it's right here. This is literally a sheet of paper. I don't understand what you... Here, you're going to need these two. Dice? You just hand... Are these even dice? We are going to play Vampire the Masquerade. It's a role-playing game. What kind of vampire do you want to be? Okay, now you're telling me there's more than one kind of vampire? Oh, my friend, you have no idea. There's an Osferatu, there's Nosferatu. Vampires and Vitae, an actual play podcast. Season 2, coming soon to Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, we got a great episode right now. We got a lot to talk about, including Abandoned, the <laughs> PS5 game, which a lot of people right now that had high hopes for it are thinking about abandoning so we'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show plus also as well we're going to be talking about Splitgate, and it looks very familiar to a lot of people but it's got a new little trick and that little trick is also helping propel it become a very popular game how popular and how well will it go over we're going to talk about that on the back end of the show as well but my friend it is Ryan Reynolds. It is Free Guy at the box office. 
they earned at what analysts were not predicting. In fact, it went above their predictions because it looked like it was going to be a movie that was going to debut somewhere in the teens. But I said myself, I thought it was going to be somewhere in the teens, low 20s. But you know what? It actually kind of surprised people out there. It's actually earned a little bit more than The Suicide Squad at $28 million here domestically at the box office and will earn probably around 50 to $52 million worldwide in its first weekend. And Disney has already spoken and reached out to both director Sean Levy and also as well Mr. Ryan Reynolds about creating a sequel to Free Guy. So if you really enjoyed Free Guy and you got a chance to see it, you'll be seeing a sequel at some point down the road. But I think that this is a good sign. It doesn't mean that this movie is going to make a profit. It doesn't mean that the, the health of the box office is there. Don't Breathe too slightly exceeded expectations at a little bit over $10 million domestically. But even a movie like that, that is very inexpensively made, that movie is going to be lucky to break even. So I want to put this in perspective, man. And, and I, well, first off, before I go into a rant, because I've got a big rant coming up on this. I want to hear your thoughts on Free Guy. Is it something that motivated or interests you? I know we've touched on it in the show going on over a year because it got pushed back because of the pandemic. But your thoughts on Free Guy, eventually it's going to appear on HBO first and then go to either Hulu or Disney Plus sometime thereafter. So we're looking forward to that. But your thoughts on Free Guy. So I listened to uh, your conversation with Noah Ian Fine on the show in regards to Free Guy, and I kind of, I kind of feel close to what he says. Like it's it's a Ryan Reynolds movie, you know. I'm not expecting too much from it. I'm not excited to watch it, but I'm not unexcited to watch it. I will not be, you know, journeying out to the movie theaters to watch it. I don't want to see it that bad, but. I do think that Disney has done an excellent job of marketing that movie, you know, especially with like the Deadpool, the MCU tie-in, the, um, uh, you know, him, e even like th them not letting him do the Bambi thing, like it got so much publicity that it made people start Googling the movie. Like it, it's, they did set, even like the bad publicity led to good publicity for this movie. So it, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it you know, while it's in theaters, but I am going to watch it. I do think that it is a clever idea, especially in the days of like, you know, you have your Fortnites and your, uh, what's that, what was that thing? Second Life, right? Where everyone was like creating yeah. characters and the Sims and stuff like that. So yeah, I do think it's a great idea for a movie, but again, it's not something that I'm going to be rushing out to watch. But what is, I mean, what a slap in the face though to like Suicide Squad, right? That you have this movie that was like, you know, has a lot of star power. James Gunn did it. Warner Bros. is really hoping that this was going to, like, be a knockout. Got great reviews. In fact, mm -hmm. it's extremely high. One of the highest rated movies of the year. But and it did it really? Well, let, let's put this thing into perspective because this leads into my second point. And this goes into my rant that I want to talk to you about. And that is that there was an individual out there that posted on social media and uh, reposted an article from a publication I'll, I'll give it the lack of a term you know publication and this publication wanted to go ahead with a click and bait article talk about shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and talking about how disney expects it to be a bomb and you know you've already heard what 
the latest news is in the investors called uh, Disney CEO Bob Chapek called the release plan for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings to be an interesting experiment, quote unquote. So 45 and, days in theaters, right? Before it hits yeah, Disney Plus. Okay. That's correct. So he, he called it an interesting experiment. And Simu Liu, the star of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, took quite exception to that on social media this past weekend, and he was not thrilled at all. So I don't think that was a, probably the best wording by Disney CEO on that, but let's put things in perspective here. Uh, you know, again, we had an individual that I know repost an article on that, which I thought was just point and clickbait. Let's put things in perspective in this age of the pandemic. Again, Free Guy exceeded expectations. You know, it's going to be something that, again, we'll see a sequel down the road. But what do you think this movie cost to make, Josh? Free Guy? Yeah. Uh, 100 120 million maybe i would i'm i was gonna guess somewhere around like 112 yeah so let's say let's say 100 100 million let's go on the cheap side 100 million you got to remember that's just for production costs then you got to factor in marketing which you talked about was a great job of marketing all that costs money to put out there but not I, just on social media yeah and, and I, if you look at it though like anything with ryan reynolds like it doesn't the marketing, I'm I'm curious exactly how much they spent on marketing for this because anything you have, right? You had Ryan Reynolds in a Deadpool costume, like that's probably, and then it, the marketing I, just I, I, it, I get that, it but did it itself, takes you know? money. It takes money to go ahead and print, do commercials, right. print ads, everything you see on, uh, you know, as far Buses as out there on the web. Words, it, yeah. It, yeah, you got to talk about marketing costs. You got to talk about the cost that you pay the theater owners because they get a cut of it. it you just Okay, when you spend $20 at the theaters, you're not just giving $20 to Ryan Reynolds and Disney. You're giving that $20 is being broken up between the theater owners, marketing, PR companies. There's a whole list of costs that come into it. As we've said on this show before in past years, in a normal environment, when a movie comes out, if you wanted to see or evaluate on how well it is as far as it does and how well it does, in, in perspective, it's a one to three to three and a half times, sometimes even four times ratio. So movie has to go for every, let's say free guy, it costs a hundred million dollars. That movie in order to break even, break even probably has to make three to 330, 34, $340 million before you can, Disney can say, you know what? We broke even on this and now we're going to make money from there. I mean, F9, Black Widow, A Quiet Place Part 2, all these movies that cost 100, 150, and in case of F9, closing in 250, Black Widow, 250 million. These movies need to make a ton of money in order to go ahead and be financially viable. Right. And yeah, it, it just, yeah, it's crazy to, to hear or read that, that people are already rooting for Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings to fail. I mean, we are so excited for it, you and I, and we cannot wait for this movie to come out. I mean, I'm so excited for it, and I'm wishing the best for this movie because I really think it's going to take the kung fu genre to another level. And I haven't been excited for this type of movie in such a long time because Black Widow didn't meet my expectations, and I've been waiting for that movie forever, and I've been championing that movie forever. And I'm just so excited for this movie to come out because it really does look good, and I'm really looking forward to it. But People need to put their realities in check here because the, none of these movies, even F9, is going to break even at best right now in today's environment. 
the best way that they can go ahead and make a contribution is how are they doing when it comes to streaming? So, you know, the Suicide Squad and Free Guy, they both made around what? Suicide Squad, 26 million domestically. Free Guy made $28 million. So you say, okay, Free Guy made a little bit more. But wait, remember, the Suicide Squad was released day and date to HBO Max. How much interest did it garner for HBO Max? Only Warner Brothers can tell us in Time Warner and yeah. all that stuff and AT&T, the parent company and all that. Only they know how well it did. I'm assuming because the advanced reviews were so great and word of mouth is so great. But I'm assuming that it's done very well on HBO Max. And if that's the case, that's almost making it a hit in and of itself in that perspective. Will it turn a profit? No. But will it do what it needs to to advance the streaming service? Yes. And I think that's the difference there. Yeah. I don't think Free Guy 45 days from now is going to get the same kind of response that Suicide Squad did. Or actually, I don't think that Free Guy on HBO Max, because that's where it goes to first because of a previous agreement between Fox and this movie. I don't believe that that's going to garner the same type of enthusiasm and interest that the Suicide Squad did on day one. Yeah, I mean, I think we we need to start like separating, right? Acknowledging the difference between a critical success and a financial success. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was J- the as Tim. Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear and ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who said that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh. Jock and Nerd! This is something we're seeing more and more as like the streaming versus movie theater debate goes on. It's like, oh, well, people really like this movie. They really like Cruella, or they really like Suicide Squad, or whatever it might be, versus like... None of these movies are turning a profit uh, at the theaters Yeah, this well, that's what I was going to say, versus like what actually, uh, how much money it made, you know? Like, you're going to have these scenarios where something's put out on Disney+, Plus, and maybe it's just a phenomenal film, but it's always going to be easier for people to have their friends and, and family over it and pay a one-time fee of 30 bucks. And maybe all those people enjoyed that movie, but that's not going to show up in in returns because, right, they invited 30 people over to their house and only paid one fee for it. So we're going to keep we're going to run into more scenarios like that. So, I mean, I mean, Dune, let's put it this way, Dune, when it comes out, it's not going to do great numbers. It's not going to do the hundred million dollars that people were hoping for for his opening weekend. Yeah, but. It's coming day and date to HBO Max. And if it just becomes the talk of the world at that point of time and mm-hmm. the internet, and if it becomes, you know, if it has great reviews and if it has a, a huge viewership on HBO Max, that's a win in this day and age. Into the Heights, which, as you and I both know, because of the controversy, really did pour at the box office. 
HBO Max, AT&T said that it did strong numbers on HBO Max. So is it truly a bomb? In this day and age, people need to go ahead and put themselves in check that you cannot realistically look at a movie, how it does at the box office and say, oh, that's a hit and that it's not. They have to look at the total picture. Yeah, you also have to – exactly. No, I, I 100% agree with you. You also have to look at the climate though too, right? Like we're – you're never going to find anybody agreeing about anything on the internet. Like you're going to have one person who's going to take a side just for the sake of taking a side. Like it's not – you have these critics say, oh, this movie's great, and then you'll have people like, oh, I hate the critics. I'm going to find something to nitpick that movie for, you know? I mean, I don't like the critics, but I don't I don't nit- nitpick films. You know, I always try to watch them for what they are. And this, like, perception is such a weird thing in 2021 because everybody sees everything differently. So you never know. There's never going to be a joint consensus on really anything, you know, especially in film. Because that was that was the original battleground, right? For these uh, for social media fights and stuff like that was like uh, thoughts on films, music, comic books, or whatever. So, I think climate has a lot to do with it. But I also think that you know, again, we need to redefine what a successful film is in 2021 or in times of COVID right now. I'm just gonna leave it with this, and I think that's a very good point. Uh, and. I just think that people need to put themselves in check in regards to what is going to be hit and what's not. Mm-hmm. And and to understand what's going on and to realize that, hey, maybe I shouldn't be posting things out there or reposting articles or creating articles that go ahead and already target you know, a movie or a product or an entertainment thing to fail. Got to understand what, what age we're living in right now and, and get a reality check that things are a little bit different. I mean... It just it just sounds to me when you when you repost or you make articles like that that you're rooting for this individual product to fail before it even comes out, and I'm going to say for Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I'm so excited for it. And now, after the comments that were made by Bob Chapek, I know Simu Liu is really motivated. He said an expletive in his tweet and his response back to those comments. So I'm I'm really rooting for. Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings even more so than I did just a day ago. And I really wanted that movie to work out. And we've been on the show saying that, but I now really even more want it to work out. Yeah. And, and this is his first like foray into the MCU or even like, I, I think big, a big film like this, but this is a very connective movie to the rest of the MCU, right? They have like abomination and Wong's in it from Dr. Strange. Like there's a lot of elements coming together in this film so like i think it, it's not just needs to be successful for the actor but also for the mcu as in its entirety right like this is again the first movie that's going to be strictly in theaters for the first 45 days it comes out so this is going to be this is going to be an interesting experiment because you know is it going to be enough to get people out to the theaters we we don't know, and I don't know if his contract is weighed weighed the same way that Scarlett Johansson's was. You know, it's going to well, be. Well, you know, they they already I think learned from their mistakes because they renegotiated the Rocks contract shortly before the Jungle Cruise. So that tells you right there that maybe they learned from their mistakes. Yeah, I don't know. I had also heard that they like blacklisted Scarlett Johansson, like they won't cast her in things anymore. So I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. But like, it's just it's it's hard to say. You know, like. I think they're kind of figuring it out as they go. It'll be interesting to see wh- how this all plays out. I just I I hope that 
you know, I I hope the day the days of like going back to the movie theaters for these blockbuster events return, but also like we're creating this climate where like, hey, these blockbusters are going out into theaters, but what about the smaller guys, you know, like the Christmas movies and the romantic comedies and things like that? Like if these movies, if these big blockbusters are struggling, I don't think we're going to be seeing any more of these smaller movies in theaters for a really long time. And the other thing is you got to put this in perspective. If these movies don't generate profitable incomes and they don't move the needle on their respective streaming services, then we're going to see a lot less blockbuster, big budget films coming up in the future because the movie industry and Hollywood are going to be very unsure about how to approach the theatrical box office going forward. They're going to shift to even more series, cinematic series and things of that nature, like with The Mandalorian and what you're seeing with The Lord of the Rings from Amazon. And they're going to go to these bigger budget series that they're going to make. You're going to see more Marvel TV shows than you are Marvel movies, maybe in the not too distant future. So that could be something that you need to think about as well, as long as we're in this type of environment. If it changes and it gets better, then it goes back to the way it was before. But if it doesn't, then you could be seeing this I'm going to keep this series on Disney Plus instead of making it into a movie. I think those decisions are going already being made. And I think they're already being made with the thought of streaming services, which is now the predominant way we watch television, that we consume pop culture, that we consume entertainment. It's now the predominant way we go ahead and do so. So I think that these studios are now starting to shift, seeing what the marketplace is right now and will not shift back soon because the fact that you know this thing is not going away with covid anytime soon and because of that you know what they have to go ahead and shift according yeah so i have two thoughts on this one there's all these all these big blockbuster movies are done you know they've been done for months or even like more than years right years yeah but they're waiting they're trying to figure out like how do i get a return on this you know, like I, I think Jurassic Park has been pushed back like what four times now, and yeah, the Top Gun movie, Top Gun. which was you know been often mentioned about. I mean, James Bond, mm-hmm. No Time to Die, uh, the Mission Impossible movies. Those are just a few, to, to say the least. Yeah, you have all the these Marvel movies. Big, yeah, exactly. You have these big movies been done for a long time, but they're all trying to figure out how to profit off of them. So there's like. This isn't just like a, uh, well, let's let this guy mess up and let's see, maybe we can learn from his mistakes. Like this is going to have to, we're going to have to work through a lot of people messing up on their release plans before, you know, these, these studios figure out how to make this movie profitable. On the other hand, though, like do you, the, in the days, you know, I think streaming services also kind of shoot uh, these production companies in the foot because in the, in the days before the streaming services were around, you know, you had to wait, like Redbox even made you wait several days after the movie hit home movie or whatever before you could rent it or or whatever that might be. But you had these these uh, films made additional revenue off of home home video purchases, right? Like Yeah, the pay-per-view, the, the initial pay-per-view. The initial hit. pay-per-view or the phys- people buying physical copies. Because I remember everyone said that like Hellboy 2 was a was a flop but then it eventually made back a lot of its money on you know on the home video service. Blade Runner 2049 is something I always bring up that it was a movie that did not make money it made about 250 million dollars at the box office which was not going to just it just I don't even think it brought brought it to a break even status 
Yeah. But it became one of the best-selling home video Blu-ray sales for that year it mm-hmm. came out. And that's that includes the Marvel movies. So yeah. in doing so, it garnered a lot of that revenue back that it lost and it became a home video as far as like you said video on demand really it made a lot of money off of that as well so yeah it came close to you could say maybe it broke even maybe a slight profit but yeah by the time that finished out but that's that's one of the few movies that's out there but yeah the, even the landscape of how we consume even on video has now changed because mm-hmm. of the streaming services yeah yeah it's they're they're i guess removing sources of old revenue to create rooms for new room for new ones but also those revenue lines that once existed aren't there anymore so it's just it's just been a weird like reversal of all the things we know and i i honestly can say like i don't think there's going to be a right or wrong way to release these films like i think it's going to just vary on the film and the interest it gets and the service that it's on you know and uh, to people out there that are wishing for a lack of success for certain individual projects, I mean, please, please keep yourself in check because if that movie, if that TV show is not a success, that means Hollywood is going to be reticent to go ahead and make something else because of the money that they lost on that project. So exactly, yeah. like we're we're in a time where like one dire move could have just crushing repercussions across the entire industry. Exactly. And for a project like, let's say, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, I mean, that movie isn't even out yet. I, and that's got a, for every one person that out there that's thinking negatively, there looks like to be 10 people out there that are really looking forward to this film. And you and I have hyped this movie up a lot. We really are looking forward to it. I think it looks fantastic. And I'm just so excited to see it. So, And, and I think you are as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. This is kind of like the first I guess you can say Black Widow was, but this is the first like true post uh, in-game continuity MC. Oh, I mean, after Spider-Man, of course, but like this is the first like since the pandemic happened. This is the post, the first like post in-game MCU continuity moving the moving the universe forward theater event. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you on that. I mean, we. I mean, I guess, I guess you could count the after credit scene for Black Widow, but yeah, this is something as a full movie that really advances that forward, and I'm looking forward to that, to seeing this new part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're doing a great job with the TV shows. I'm really liking what I've seen with Loki. What if is what if. Have you seen that yet, or have you a chance? No, no, not yet. Um, I keep uh, we're we're watching the second season of Ragnarok right now. So then I'll move on to what if after. But I still got to watch Loki, so I don't know. Like, Loki is good. Loki's really good. At least it ended up for me on a good note. So yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to talk about with pop culture out there. But please go ahead before you talk about what's a failure and what's not. I mean, this is a different age. I mean, I'm trying to go ahead and ease my indications on what is going to be a failure and not a failure in this industry because the streaming it's all about the streaming these days and how much it'll impact it and for a movie like shang chi and the legend of the ten rings and other movies that are just not going to be a day and date you know they're not going to make money off the bat they're not going to make money in the theaters as far as a profit is concerned so people need to put that in in perspective and understand that hey well, they may not make money on its first initial run, but if they do anything to bolster Disney Plus or HBO Max or Netflix or wherever they end up being on streaming, 
that I think ultimately is is what people need to look at and gauge if a movie is a success or not. If it moves the needle there, then I think in this environment, 2021, that's what's more important at this point in time. But Free Guy, Disney's really high on it. They've already asked Ryan Reynolds to go ahead and make another one with Sean Levy, director, so they get a lot of credit for it. So kudos to them. This movie, hopefully, will by the time it ends up on streaming services, will go ahead and make it worthwhile for a lot of audiences. But it did exceed expectations. So kudos to them. Again, if you had a chance to go ahead and check out Free Guy, we'd love to hear your thoughts. And also, the way in on the debate that we just talked about with Josh and I on how you gauge a movie and the success or failure in 2021. We'd love to hear your thoughts on how you go ahead and gauge a movie's success in 2021. Do you still base it solely off the box office? Do you base it on what it does in streaming? We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. My friend, there's still a little bit more to talk about on today's program, but before we head on out, have you caught word of this whole controversial scenario when it concerns the upcoming, well, I think it's upcoming. It might still be upcoming. For PlayStation 5 exclusive or a game that's going to hit the PS5, I believe, first, the horror game Abandoned. Have you heard about this entire scenario with that game? I guess people saying they're trolling people, but they just were dumb and decided to be like, hey, if you want to watch a trailer, you have to download the app. And uh, that, I, from what I understand, that did not uh, go well for them because the trailer wasn't exactly what people were hoping it would. And this is the game, for those of you listening, Like this is the one that everyone was like, oh, did Kojima make a secret Silent Hill game? Like That's what everybody thought this was at first, if you remember that story from a few months yep. back. This is from Blue Box Studios, and it's something that, okay, they delayed on the teaser. Like, I think on more than one occasion, they delayed the teaser and just were teasing the fans, ultimately. And because people were initially excited about the announcement of this game, and and it became a, like you said, a a larger-than-life scenario where they thought Hideo Kojima was attached to it, and then Hideo Kojima said, no, he wasn't, and then... Makers of this game from Blue Box had to go on social media and say he's not associated with it. And it was just a point where people were still excited for it and they were promised a teaser and they didn't deliver initially. And then a teaser came out, kind of, and it really didn't go over that well. And the thing is, they said, well, if you really want to see the full trailer, wait until it comes out. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to go ahead and make an app. So you have to go ahead and download the app in order to go ahead and see it. That alone is insane to me. Like that seems like the dumbest way. Well, hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Okay. And when you download the app, you get the same small little teaser footage that they showed previously that didn't impress anyone. Yeah. And the app is five gigabytes large. Like that's a lot of space for something like that. Every piece of market research out there, right? It shows... When it comes to viewing content on the internet, 
it shows that one, people don't like to watch things over five minutes. And two, people don't like to click on a bunch of things to get to what they need to see. That's why you go on most modern websites and little ads just pop up on the video, right? Because they know that people aren't going to actually click on something that says like, hey, you want to lose 10 pounds in six days? Like they're not going to click on that anymore because they're like, oh, this obviously is it's too much work to learn how to do this. So the extra steps, it seems like a surefire way to get people not to look at something. You know, so I don't I don't understand how the marketing for this worked or who like sat behind a desk and was like, this is a good idea. This is a great idea. People will love this. It just is so incredible how they approach this in a bad way. I just talked about what is a failure and what is a success before something even comes out. Mm -hmm. I think we might have to make an exclusion on this because right now, all the publicity that they had, all the goodwill that they had when this was announced and yeah. people were so excited for it, even before the Hideo Kojima rumors started and all that, that people were really excited for this game. And now it's just completely turned on its end. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And this is such a big, like, blunder. This is going to leave a bad taste in people's mouths. And, like, that's the real shame because, like, you know, like we just talked about, like we're living in a time where perception can make or break something beyond repair. And like this might be one of those moments. Well, I told you before, for me, it's a lot about first impressions. Yeah. How do you go ahead and show yourself off to the public? And how does the public perceive you first off? And the way mm -hmm. that they're going ahead and approaching this with the first glimpse of it or lack thereof, and then the app fiasco there, and the rumors of Hideo Kojima, right off the bat, they should have just taken care of it, but they let it drag on a little bit and, yeah. and become annoying. And, and it's all this stuff is just going to weigh it down from people just not being interested in it when it finally comes out. And that's going to be to their own detriment. But some of the stuff was common sense that they could have adhered to, and they just didn't. Yeah. I don't know, like I've never really seen a gaming company like make it more difficult for their fans to get content. Like that's just something you don't do, especially because the gaming industry again is like hypercritical. It, this did not make sense on many levels. Like I don't I I'm just want to know like who sat back at a meeting and was like, "You know what? We should do this." Because I don't even like going into the app marketplace on my phone. So why am I going to download an app for a video game that's not actually the game. Like everything about this feels so unnecessary. What are your thoughts out there on the upcoming title Abandon? Well, we think it's still upcoming. Are you seriously annoyed at the promotional, and I'll use that figuratively and in quotes, promotional tactics that Blue Box Studios has done in order to promote this game and all the controversy surrounding it and the app that takes a whole ton of space and doesn't really show you much of anything and the teaser that they showed already that didn't really show you much of anything and the Hideo Kojima rumors that they should have addressed right away that they didn't and then had to deny later on and just all the stuff that went on with this game that hasn't even come out yet. It's not the best sign for it. I'm still willing to give it a chance. I'm still hoping that it will find success especially for any small studio that's out there and we're going to talk about one here in a sec but i really hope that abandoned will find its feet and will find its gaming niche with the marketplace but we want to hear your thoughts are you still interested in what's going on with the upcoming game abandoned for the playstation 5 please share us your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com
Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough as always. But before we head on out, my friend, have you had a chance to check out the free-to-play game Splitgate? I have not, but I have heard a great deal about this game, this Halo-esque portal game. And everyone I've talked to who has said that, like, this game is fun, but I don't see myself going back to it, has gone back to it. So kudos to them. And maybe this is something that could get me uh, interested at some points, but I have not had a chance to sit down with it yet. Have you? I did a little bit, and it's a free-to-play game because that's always a great entry price point for me. Free. I like that. But first off, I want to go ahead and give a shout-out to 1047 Games. This is a company, again, a smaller studio, just like the folks from Blue Box and Abandon, 30 members of the team. So this is a small studio. This is not those tiny in a garage studio, mind you, but it's still 30. And you only have a staff of 30. That's still a very small outlet for a gaming company, for a gaming studio. So kudos to them for creating an experience that when you look at it, looks a lot and i mean a lot like a halo arena shooter and it it has the fast flowing motion it has the type of perks very similar to what you see from a halo game as far as whatever the multiplayer asset you know even from the old halo 2 days it still looks quite a bit like that and it takes liberally from the halo 2 halo 3 halo 4 and halo 5 it takes liberally from those type of environments and it creates its own niche, really looks well-suited, well-balanced, but it throws in the quirk of Portal. And what I mean is that if you're familiar with the video game Portal and that series, it creates itself as far as within the environment of the Serena shooter portals. You have the ability to go ahead and create your own portals to jump through in an opportune time or get surprised when somebody jumps through a portal and is right there at you, or maybe you were waiting right there on the other side of the portal and you're going to go ahead and take care of them, dispose of them as they pop on through, but it's create quite a niche and it's create quite a fervor on online out there. And a lot of people are really supporting it. And I'm very happy to see it when a small studio like that, and hopefully blue box, I'm hoping they will rebound and, We'll be able to find this type of success because Splitgate is going to be a game that I think a lot of people are playing for a long time to come. But the thing I ask you, my friend, with Halo Infinite coming around the corner, I know there's a lot of pressure on that game to succeed. But if people want their Halo niche this fall, could they be finding it more on Splitgate than Halo Infinite? I mean, uh, free to play. I don't think free to play. I don't think so. Honestly, like. The Games Pass subscription doesn't cost that much, and if hey, we're gonna reach a point where yeah, all these free to play games are going to eventually like outweigh the, uh, you know, the the big AAA titles. But I think people are so curious about Halo Infinite that it there it's people are going to be driven to Halo Infinite, even if just for like the first like two weeks that it's out. But I had you know again like Splitgate does sound like an amazing game i don't know it's hard to say but i i don't think we're at that point quite yet where people are giving up the triple a titles for free to play but i think we're going to get there really quick i think Halo's going to go free to play i think the the halo multiplayer eventually will be a free to play option oh yeah i mean I'm, I'm sure it will um out the gate though they're probably hoping to get that either get that games pass subscription or get that you know 60 buck in the uh the old microsoft bank account 
because you see what happens with Red Dead and GTA Online. They both went to a, I don't want to say a free-to-play, but they went to a very low-cost mm-hmm. online option. A lot of these other games have branched off. Now, we've seen what Call of Duty has done with Call of Duty Warzone and yeah. its own free-to-play environment, Apex Legends, and there's quite a few others. And, of course, what we see from Fortnite and all that is the big, big free-to-play game you know, on the marketplace for more than a couple of years now. So I really think that this Splitgate game that looks really, really good, fast acting, I mean, you really have to be on your game when you play this. If you've really done well in Halo, I think a lot of people are going to, a lot of those people are going to go ahead and migrate over to Splitgate. Maybe they'll stay there once Halo Infinite comes out. We don't know. Maybe a lot of these players will go back to Halo Infinite when it comes out. We'll see. But I think this is not to be underestimated because just the sheer demand of it right now, the beta itself, the original beta came out and it broke the servers as far as the sheer demand for it. So that tells you right there that these arena shooters, that there is a marketplace for them. It's not just these open-ended battle royale games, these open world type environments that are the only ones that get to find success i think these arena shooters are on a on its way back and i think split gain is one of is going to be one of the reasons why isn't that funny how like unreal tournament kind of paved the way for stuff like this oh i loved unreal tournament i i did too and now like everybody kind of moved away from those games saying oh that's an outdated thing it's a thing of the past we're all about these like these multi these just straight up multiplayer games and now we're going back to the unreal type arena shooters. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited for Splitgate uh, to get really get into it. And I know a lot of other people will as well. What are your thoughts out there on Splitgate? A free to play game from the folks at 1047 studios. They really should get some kudos because they've created a game that a lot of people are familiar with in the realm of combining portal with halo and are really, really interested in going ahead and finding out more how they can go ahead and become a great part of the Splitgate scenario. So we want to hear your thoughts. Are you enjoying your time with Splitgate? Are you enthused about Splitgate? Are you interested in playing Splitgate? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, I wanted to ask you this, my friend. You know what next week is? You know what the episode we have that's going to air next week? You know what that is? You know? You know? You know? You know? The uh, King Arthur anniversary special. Oh, dear God, help me. No, (laughs) no, no, no. Well, we may bring up King Arthur at some point in time during it, but it is going to be our fifth anniversary. Five years, my friend. Five years. And what better way to go ahead and celebrate five years with our fall movie preview? Seems like just yesterday I was just talking to you and we were at National University. I was saying, hey, man, uh, you know, you've been great on the Game Source podcast, but I'm thinking about doing something a little bit more. I mean, we talk about pop culture a lot. Why well, want to do a show? How about doing an hour show, man? What do you think? Maybe putting it on the radio. What do you think, man? Yeah, that's right. Now I remember that. Yeah, and uh, eventually National University is going to have to pay us for all this free advertising. But I do remember. I remember the Game Source show coming to an end in Pop Culture Cosmos beginning, and then that went from like one show to two shows and a bunch of other uh, you know charity events and stuff like that. Like it's been a fun ride over the past five years. You know, and just looking at the pop culture landscape, it's changed so much since then. You know, especially. 
you know, no thanks to COVID, but just so different from what it was five years ago. The world in general is different. Yes, the world has evolved so much and so differently since we started doing this. I mean, we used to get into a routine and then something would break us out of that routine. And then the MCU really hit its heights. And then Mm -hmm. obviously what's happened in the past 18 months. But still, man, it's been great doing this with you. But we're going to do all that mushy stuff on next week's show. Yeah, National University, man. What's up with that? We've given you all this pub over the years. Come on. Show me the money. Helps us out, man. Help us out. But I'll tell you what, it's been a great ride with you, and I'm looking forward to many more years to come. But next week, it is our fifth anniversary, and what better way to do it with our fall movie preview right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Welcome to Dr. Geek's Laboratory. Hello everyone, Dr. Geek here with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. (laughs) Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Do you know how fast you were going? Uh, sorry officer, Uh, one episode every two weeks? Two weeks! Did you also know you're carrying a dangerously heavy load? Yes sir, we do. We've got interviews, fight nights, film discussions, Desert Island DVDs, and lots more. I think we've got to take you down to the station. You do not have to write anything, but it may harm the Cosmic Pizza Podcast if you do not mention when questioned something you later wanted in the promo or feedbacks. Anything you do say may be used in said feedback. Cosmic Pizza Podcast is not about the cosmos or about pizza. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the T Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.